Bergkamp makes a run ahead of it. Bergkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Bergkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Good evening, boys and girls, and Chris Carpenters of the world. Welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about all things Arsenal in our usual inimitable fashion, and I'm going to go around the room and introduce you to the beautiful creatures that have joined me this evening. So, first of all, with an incredibly nice floral arrangement to the left of him, we've got Fenne. Femi, say hello to everybody. <laughs> and to the upper right, me, is John's here as well. John, say a big hidey ho to all the boys and girls. Hidey ho, boys and girls. And of course, the, uh, the man with the moonlight uh, seductively shimmering off his bald head is Danny. He's here as always to sprinkle us with his, you know, sage like wisdom. Danny, would you like to say hello to everybody? Hello, everybody. And Femi was muted. That's why he didn't say hello. He's not ignoring people. I just don't want to talk to anyone. That's it. <laughs> I mean, given the country, it's perfectly fair. I don't think anybody should argue. How are you, James? You looking I'm well? Very well, thank you. It's been a while since I've been on, so it's nice to have the opportunity to speak to you fine gentlemen, as always. Um, shall we start? Shall we go headlong into the, you know, interminable shower of shite that we all had the misfortune to witness over the weekend? Well, I say weekend, I mean Monday night. Get my days all mixed up. As I'm sure, I don't need to mention, as I'm sure you guys will all remember, Arsenal put in, arguably, if not definitively, their worst performance of the season in succumbing to Crystal Palace 3-0 with a very, very limp, lifeless and unimaginative performance. I'm sure I can gather everyone's reactions, but I'm going to go around the room nevertheless and ask people, what were your thoughts? How did you feel? Um, generally, what did you think went wrong? Femi, let's start with you. Uh, you know what? I don't actually, I don't know. Maybe it was our worst 20, 25 minutes. No, let's say worst 30 minutes of the season. But I thought for the rest of the game, we weren't actually that bad. I think defensively, we were all over the shop. Um, but I think we've had worse. But I think I, I remember a few Everton. Um, but it's definitely the, probably the worst result under Arteta, I would say, since he's been manager. Um, we usually are very competitive, even when we lose. We, you know, it's quite close, except for Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, all that stuff. But usually we're, we're, we're <laughs> usually we're, you know, we, we're quite competitive, which was a little bit different this time. Um, I'm sure there's this, we'll go into some of the reasons why, but, you know, it, it was a sobering, experience sobering defeat um brought us down to our feet a little bit you know i've i've seen some people who are already um they're already looking at the champions league pot that we were going to be in so i think that that's a slap in the face with some of them i guess so yeah that's i mean to be fair the last 60 minutes we did put up a bit of a fight but you're always in the premier league you're always fighting an uphill battle with your your two nil down let alone us, who doesn't. We don't really come back from going down as well to win games. I mean, the Wolves game was special because it was, it was like one of the first times we've been down at half time and ever come back. So it would have taken something special for us to come back from 2 0 down. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know how you guys felt, but it's one of the first times in a long time I've watched an Arsenal game, got to about the 67th minute mark and thought, nah, fuck it, we're in bed. <laughs> I, I think you can usually tell with Arsenal that okay, if they're losing, th there's a difference between you'll know when they're going to put a fight in and you, you'll know like Monday night where it's just not their evening. It's just not going to work out. And I think you can point fingers, you can say this, that, and the other, you can, you know, throw accusations and things like that at players. But I think you've also got to take into account that it's just a funny premiership season. Things like this happen. No one would have predicted Arsenal would lose 3-0 to Paris. In the same respect, no one's going to predict that Chelsea are going to get battered at home by Brentford of all teams. So it's just one of those things. I think it's very easy in this league to um, get caught up in the vagaries of perception and you see so-called perceived big teams as almost certain to get favourable results against those that would be considered lower in the table, but it doesn't work that way. I think you've got a lot of very, very good teams in this league. Crystal Palace being a prime example of that. They've got good players, they've got a good system, they've got a good coach, they've got good home support. And if all of those four things come together for them, like they did on Monday night, then they're going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. And a lot of teams, irrespective of their standing in the league, and are going to, going to go there and lose points. So I think the naysayers and those, you know, the folk that really want to get themselves caught up in all the, um, all the doubt and all the sort of, you know, that, that instantaneous reaction where you have to be furious and incandescent because we've lost. It's just a bit silly. Uh, John, what did you think about the game? Um, I mean, going into it, I was nervous. I think on my predictor, I'd put Arsenal as a 2-1, but I I was like iffy about putting that. I was tempted to put like score draw maybe because Palace hadn't lost in like 10 games. They got a really good point against Man City. Um, they beat Everton, which I was going to say everyone beats Everton, but we didn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they thumped them. They've been beating, like they've gone to Wolves away and won 2-0. They've been playing really good football. Um, I think Conor Gallagher is probably up there with one of the best players this season. Just like that kid is an absolute machine. I don't know where he gets his energy from. He's nonstop running. Um, and since Vieira's gone in there, like he had a huge job and he's really turned around. He's made him play better football. Um, I know lots of people follow is it HLTCO on Twitter, the Palace fan. He's got a lot of followers. <clears throat> And I've been reading is that the all guy that stuff. goes on the Arscast? Yeah, he goes on Arscast mm -hmm. quite often, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's, it really, if you don't follow him, he's a really good follower. I know he's a Palace fan, obviously, he talks about them a lot, but he talks about all the clubs and he's a like, very level-headed, sensible guy. Um, yeah, so I'd sort of been looking at their results just because of the Vieira <coughs> connection. So I wasn't overly confident going into the game. I thought, yeah, we've been doing well, but then you see we've got no Tierney. And again, this is not singing about Tavares. I'm sure we'll talk about individual performances, but that worried me. Um, you know, Martinelli wasn't starting, Lacazette has been playing okay, but still not getting goals. And I just thought, yeah, this might be the one where it'd be very, it, before the game, I was thinking this would be very Arsenal to go into this and like lose horribly and then go and beat Spurs or Man United or whatever further down the line. Um, so disappointed, but kind of expected because this team is so young still, like the majority of it anyway, um, not experienced at all, really. This is the first season they've all played together. And it just shows, again, that the lack of depth we've got in the squad, if you take out a player, not every position on the pitch, but there's certain areas of the pitch where if you remove the starter, it really does weaken the side, like, massively. 
and it can completely disjoint it. And it's not always down to that one player, but it's how it affects the other people around them. And if one certain player in the middle has an off day, then it really disrupts everything. It's very key to the way we play. It's it's kind of the the whole thing about like playing out from the back. If someone's not doing it properly, the whole system will fall apart. So it's very important that everyone does their job properly. Um, and yeah, and credit to Palace. I, you know, I thought they were really good. But like Femi said, I thought there were moments in the game where we played some really nice stuff. Um, you know, Smith Rowe should have got a goal. Odegaard probably should have scored. Um, Lacazette should have done better with that. I don't know what he did with that headed chance that he just sort of fluffed. Um, so we had chances to get back into it, but they just hit us so quick with those first two goals. I think we were just shell-shocked and just everyone was all over the place in it. So fair play to them. Um, you know, I've never really had a problem with Palace. It's a wicked ground to go to if you've never been an away fan. It's great atmosphere. Um, well worth a trip. So... Yeah, unfortunate, but you've got to just pick yourself up, dust off, go for the next game. Hopefully you can get the three points. The, the top four race is always going to be difficult. It's still in our hands at the moment. So um, it would have been nice to get those extra three points, but just see what happens at the weekend. What about you, Danny? What are your thoughts? I can see you're champing at the bit there. <laughs> it's everything we put into perspective. This isn't the 1998 double winning side that lost 3-1 at home to Blackburn. It's not the 2002 double winning side that lost 4-2 at home to Charlton Athletic. Uh, we, we know things are not working well when our probably our two best players this season, two of our best three, Saka's probably the best, um, Erdegaard and Ramsdale are the other two, and Erdegaard got a 5.2 and Ramsdale got a 5.5. Sometimes... Things just don't work out. Uh, they had, like John was saying, we, we had enough chances. We had 12 shots compared to their six. We had three on target compared to their five. We had three really good chances to score. And if one of those would have gone in, and maybe we were a little bit unlucky with a penalty, if it, you, you see them given all the time. But Palace, Palace did the job. You, as, a, as a man, let alone as a manager, if you're doing a bank robbery and you've got Patrick Vieira with you, immediately you're going to wrap your game. You're going to go, you know, there's no problem, we've got this sorted. But as a manager, you're going to want to play for him because he's one of the greatest Premier League players that has ever, um, ever played in the Premier League, obviously, because he's a Premier League player. Didn't need to say that. <laughs> and they are, quite a lot of the time, a one-man team. And if Zaha is, is like our, our Odegaard, he's their best player. Our best outfield player, or he's like our Saka. If he's on form, then the opposition are in a whole load of trouble. And he always seems to turn it on against Arsenal because we we besmirched his good name. We uh, we turned him down. He wanted to come to us. It was all ready to happen. And then we went and got the the the, the wonderful Pepe, who can't even get on. In, in I don't did he come on? I don't think he did come on. These games happen. Doesn't matter. No one. If 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 you'd said to all these people thinking it's the end of the world, we've got ten games to go for the rest of the season before the Palace game. Do you think we're going to win all ten? Because if you think we're going to win all ten, you need to go and find yourself another sports sweetheart. Because there's no way, and we're not going to win the next nine. We're probably only going to win five or six of them. We're going to probably lose one or two more games. And when we do, but it's not like we're Chelsea. Chelsea got smashed 4-1 at home by Brentford and 3-1 at home against Real Madrid. That, boys and girls, that is a problem. Losing 3-1 away against Palace, not a problem. The performance, if that performance was a cat, you'd have beat it to death with a shovel and moved on. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that's one we just need to move on from, but I was just looking at our record against Palace. It's actually not that bad. Our away record against Palace, especially. We've only lost there. This is only the second time I can see since 
the nineties that we've lost away at Palace. Um, I think the other time was I think you'll remember the <laughs> the Hector Bellerin game where they were booing oh, someone else. Oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he he was taking a throw in, so it mm. seemed like they were booing him. But yeah. it was I don't know what player it was that they were booing, and we lost that game three 0 But apart from that, um, we just beat them at home usually regularly, but. Like you said, they you know they've got quite a strong team now, and it's it's quite weird because a lot of I was thinking about the the team that set up that Patrick Vieira's got. He seems to be good at playing against big teams, so it seems like he can nullify a team's threat with their 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 so high they were so high energy, and we just did not match their energy. Once you've got a team that's that high energy, if you don't, if we'd scored one, like you guys said, it would have put a doubt in their mind because they'll be thinking about the two two game. Back at the Emirates, they'll be thinking, oh, you know, they, they would have sat back even deeper and you, you would have definitely got more chances in the last 10 minutes, you know, if one of those early chances would have gone in. So it, it's, it, it just turns out that, it, you know, these things can happen. It's one of those games. I think people are more, if I was, I'm more concerned about the injuries than the result at that stage because you can, it's a, it's a result, it, like you said, you know, these things, this is the Premier League. How many, there's so many good teams in the league. It's it's unbelievable. You know, there's there's barely any bad teams in the league apart from maybe the bottom five teams. The rest of them will give you a game on any given day, <laughs> you know. So it, it can happen that you have, if you have an off day, get away in that kind of atmosphere, you're in trouble. And they, their fans, fair cre- credit to their fans, they, they do not stop for 90 minutes. So. We ain't going to be the only team that will drop points there for the remainder of the season. Do Spurs have to go there? No, they lost 3-0 there already. So Yeah, yeah. so I mean, <laughs> a lot. Of, you hear a lot of sort of, you know, curmudgeon blathering about Arsenal. But at the end of the day, you've got to sort of look and take into account the Palace are actually a very good team on their day. And they played well. So my next question in relation to the game, and I'm going to start with... Um, I want to say bearded, but he looks almost formally bearded because the majority of it's off. Danny, your beard, it's off. It just looks like it's not its usual bustling and glistening majesty. So looking at the game where you would say that if you take into account media perception, then the majority of the team have come in for quite a lot of flack. Would you say in terms of player performance on the night, there was anything actually positive to come out of it? Well, that's that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna have to have a go and look at the. Well, Lacazette yet again. It seems to be ten percent of the time that works really well. Maybe fifty percent of the time it works okay. And this is one of the forty percent of the time where that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it was so much. If if Erdegaard behind him isn't doing his job, then Lacazette can't do his job. And when you have Smith Rowe getting a six-one and Saka getting a six-three. There's absolutely nothing up the front to talk about. Another major problem, we didn't have the distribution from Ramsdale, so that didn't work. Party was an absolute... God, no, it was like he was he was playing for Ghana again because uh, I watched. My, I think I watched two of his games for Ghana and it was horrendous. I think he was still trying to reacclimatise for the bloody cold English weather. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, the people are going to hate this and I'm going to wait for John to, to, to smile and agree with me. Jack was by far our best player on the night. And he was played no, some of the game at left back. I don't disagree. I mean, he's got and his He's still fault. got shit. He's still got grief from people. 
He's got his faults, but I mean, you of the of the starting eleven, I would say he was probably our best player. Yeah, I thought Enkedia yeah. did well when he came on. Mm. He looked all right when he came on. And, um, I I think the the positives to take from it, and it sort of relates to what Femi said about injuries, because that's the bigger worry for me is what's come out of this game, is that Lakonga, who's basically hasn't played for I don't know how long it is now, like any real sort of amount of time. Looked quite good when he came on, looked quite comfortable and actually was like in the build-up play as well, playing some really nice passes. Um, I thought Martinelli was good again when he came on. I mean, he's been you know, in really good form for the last few months, to be fair. I'm surprised he didn't start. And I thought Smith Rowe grew into the game um, when the position, when they, we sort of went to that back three and we basically chucked as many forwards as we could on. And he's playing that inside left almost as like a second striker. Um, he was finding a lot more space then and linking up. Obviously, it had a lot to do with Palace, but playing differently at that point, they dropped deeper and were playing more on the break like they used to do. Um, so I, I thought those parts of the games were positives, mainly Lukonga, because considering that party's probably going to be out for... I mean, we don't know for sure, but the guess is if it's the same injury as before, it's going to be three or four games. Um, they said he might be back for the Spurs game, is the possibility. That's sort of going roughly on the same timeline as before, but that's only if he's it's the same length of injury. <clears throat> so you would think that Lukonga is the sensible replacement to bring into midfield. Um, so I think that's a positive to come out of it. And and the other thing I would say is that despite the result and everything, and like three nil, it's not even as if three nil necessarily flatters Palace because they probably in the first thirty minutes the way they were pushing us around and just playing faster and bullying us off the ball and making us make errors. They might have been able to score more if they, you know, had uh, a little bit more cutting edge up the top end. Um, but we've seen this team come back from bad defeats and recover quite well and quite quickly and seem to get over it a lot quicker than, say, previous Arsenal teams down the years. So that, that's my one positive. But it, it, like Femi said, it's the, it's the injuries and what we do going forward. Um, Do you guys think that pressure played a part in it? Because we were the last game of that. Um, we, we played on a Monday. We knew Tottenham had won. Hmm. We knew that they were above us, albeit on goal difference. Do you think there's an element to where the players knew that? They knew the focus and the um, all the attention was on them to go out and get a good performance. And do you think that that contributed to where they started? Danny? I, I Danny, well, no, I, I don't, I don't think so personally. I don't know if you asked for Danny or Femi. That's Danny. Danny, we sound the same now, Danny. Femi. <laughs> it's the Bristolian accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think so. I, because I, we just seem to lack energy. Um, one thing I'll say is, remember at the beginning of the season uh, in August and uh, September, or mainly a lot of the early um, international breaks, we hardly had any players going away for their their countries. So we had like all our players in the training ground, Ben White, the Ramsdales, the, all of them. Gabriel didn't get called up to, for Brazil till later in the year. Martinelli, um, Smith Rowe, like hardly any of our players were in, in the internationals. Well, now if you look at it, nearly every single one, bar Lacazette maybe, even Lacongas with his international squad. So that's the, another issue that we've had, we're going to have to deal with now, which is, at the Euros, we probably had, what, three, four players at the Euros last summer. Now, our players are getting more recognition. 
They're getting called up for all their countries now, and we're going to have to deal with that now. And it seemed like we couldn't cope with that because Arteta would have majority of them on the training ground throughout the international break. So we've come back. It's a different experience now. And we just seem to lack energy. So, for example, someone like Gabriel, you know, he what just had a baby last week, didn't he? And I kept thinking, what is wrong with Gabriel? Like, I didn't even know about the baby until later on in the week. It's like, oh, of course, if you had a baby, come on, he, maybe he's not sleeping. And I kept saying, why did these players, why are they playing like they didn't sleep in the hotel last night? It was, it was crazy. They just seemed to lack a lot of energy. And like I said, we... And it's funny because, like I said, in the second half, we seem to gain energy from somewhere. So it, it could just be the international break. We're not we're not uh, we're not used to it as a, as a, like you said, as a young squad who are now getting more recognition. Um, I, I didn't see. I mean, the pressure they they seem to get better as the game went on. So I, I don't know. I, I don't. I think there's the there's there's a depth issue as well. Massive, I mean, massively. Yeah, we've got to take into account that. I'm going to touch on this a bit later, but when it comes to the Tierney injury, but there are certain positions where our backup is a considerable markdown. Like we're lucky in some respects where if Ramsdale's out, we're lucky that we can bring in a really good keeper to replace him. So the drop off there is fairly inconsequential, but in other places is very noticeable. So I'm going to touch on that a bit later with a, I'm going to share a theory with you guys and you can all shoot it down as I doubt you will. That is to say you will. My next point is to Danny. Um, do you feel there might be further repercussions from that defeat when we play our next couple of games, which, you know, have taken on greater importance? And by that, I mean, do you think the manner in which we started, the manner in which we conceded those goals, the manner in which we've received a lot of criticism do you think that's likely to have a lasting effect on some of the players and the team as a whole, or do you think Arteta is sadly enough to get them, get their heads focused and get them straight out of the funk? I think they'll be eager to go out there and and put right the, the errors they made that night. When you look back at it, the players we've got, they don't want to be playing on a muddy field when it's pissing down and freezing cold. They want to be playing on a warm, sunny day, playing at the carpet at the Emirates and, and making themselves look great. So they want to go out and sort out that um, the uh, the bad feeling that is left over from that game. And they all believe in Arteta, and Arteta will get them up for it. And then we'll go out there and we, we'll, we'll do all right. It's, I think it's Brentford at home, Nick. No, Brighton. We'll be Brighton. Home, Brighton home or away? Home. Uh, home. So what perfect opportunity. Brighton, bless them, they're not the greatest team. They've had um, one of their best players taken away. They're, uh, they tend to be better at home than they are away. And it's a perfect opportunity. I think they like to play half-decent football. And so at home, good pitch. Everyone's here, get everybody back up for it. But the, the points about having those players missing, there's a lot of people that have been saying about Tavares that he, is, he should be playing rather than Tierney. So we're going to see if that's right or not. But the biggest problem for me is we've all played Football Manager or FIFA or whatever it is. You have your starting eleven, and if and if you've only got, you know, you can have some more need to use those subs. You bring those players on so that they keep match fit. You have one little stat for their fitness, one stat for their match fitness. It seems like Arteta has no idea that you need to keep an eye on their match fitness because we've seen it with Tavares and Lukonga beginning of the year when they came in. They were both terrible, and with uh, Cedric 
He had two or three, two games where he was awful before he started playing well. And Arteta doesn't seem to realise that there's no point bringing these players on with five minutes to go. If you're winning the game, 2-0, 3-0, bring these on for the last half hour, if nothing else, to protect the players that we've already got. Because like, like one of you was saying, they're now playing international games. Like we weren't this time last year, they weren't all playing international games. Half the squad are not really getting a massive break. So maybe having the international break, I know Ramsdale was um, didn't play and Saka didn't play. I don't even think Smith... Did Smith throw? Oh, yeah, he did play. Yeah, he did play, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing him with a shirt number I didn't recognise. But then, perfect opportunity this weekend, and they'll come out and they'll do it. And I believe in them. I'm looking forward to the game. It's not like in the dark days of the Emery days where we would lose, and I'd be dreading the next game, thinking, I can't be able to watch this. I'm eager for the next game. I'm looking forward to it because I believe in... Not necessarily 100% in Arteta, but I believe in the process. And if Arteta doesn't manage it... Maybe Vieira will come in and do it or someone like that. But the thing we all get behind is the players. The players can do it. They've shown they can do it. And I'm, I just want to see them come out and play. And we'll, we'll do all right against Brighton. And then all the people who are going, that's it, the season's over. We're going, that's it, Champions League, we're back on. <laughs> Go, behave yourselves. I mean, I, I'm the same as you. I'm not overly concerned about um, there being a fallout. I think if we were to get an unfavourable result against Brighton, then it might get a little nervy but I don't think that's going to happen I think as Danny alluded to that the players the manager even the supporters themselves are all going to be very eager to get up get back onto the proverbial horse having fallen off it my next point of questioning is going to be in relation to some of the players whether that be absentees or those that have been forced out for reasons beyond their control I'm going to start with Nuno Tavares and I'm going to ask this to all three of you fine gentlemen do you think Arteta's, you know, predilection towards taking him off when he's having a bad performance, more so than anybody else. And I actually think he's ever done that to anybody else who's managerial reign. Might be wrong. Anyway, I digress. Do you think that is going to have an adverse effect on him, his psychology, his performance levels, and to a longer extent, his um, tenure at Arsenal? Or do you think it's just simply a case of that Arteta's making the right decision and that Tavares, as much as he's got the enthusiasm, as much as he's got raw potential, maybe just isn't the right fit for Arsenal, uh, Femi? Hmm. This is a... Can I... I don't know. I, I just want to say I'm not really a big fan of Nuno Tavares at all. That's just me personally. I think he's got some raw materials, but when you're technically not good, that's a massive issue. And he's good athletically, but football-wise, I just he's good at going forward. He, he, he kind of reminds me of, oh, this is going to sound so bad, of Andre Santos. I was going to just about to say exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> like, in a weird way. Like, he looks, he's a bit better. Than him. He's a lot fitter. <laughs> yeah, like, he's he seems to be good at going one direction, which is, you know, going forward. But any sort of pressure on him, he seems to just fall apart. And like you said, you know, getting taken off after, what, 30 minutes in one game and 45 minutes in your next game is not ideal. But even after saying all that, I think he has to. we have to stick with him, especially for home games. Um, a game like Brighton, he should be in, and that should boost his confidence to know, OK, I've been taken off, but I've been given another chance. If you dump him for Brighton, 
forget about it. I, I, don't I think, I think it. his Arsenal career yeah. kind of hinges yeah. on Brighton. I think if he yeah. gets space I, shown in him. Yeah, I think he has to play on Saturday and he has to play well, not get taken off after 45 minutes a game. He, he has to play well. It's a really nice game for him to come back into. Yeah, it's, he it's, be under yeah, too much pressure. it's ideal. Um, and, you know, it, it, I feel sorry for him, but like you said, he hasn't played a lot of minutes as well. You know, he's played, what, what less than 90 minutes in, in the last three months. It's not really going to... Where's he going to get with that? He's not only going to get very much further. He's not a player that's very experienced in first-team football anyway, let alone now playing very minimal minutes. And it, it just... I mean, he's... I feel I feel for him, but, you know, you're he's a professional footballer. You want to you come to the big table, you have to deal with the mental part of the game as well. And he just has to be mentally tough to get through, you know, periods like this. But like you said, I, I don't think of any I mean like but Martinelli used to get taken off after 45 minutes a couple of games and has he it? just said he has that's happened mm-hmm. to him before I remember was it Man United was it Man United at home one of the one of the big games that he came back from injury not like last, maybe last season and he got he got he got hooked at half time because he wasn't tracking runners that's that's how it goes sometimes so you, you you have to that's that's one of the key things in football is mental toughness. You have mm. to deal with it when when the down periods are there. You as a player, you have to find your mental toughness. You, you it, when when the fans are on your back, you have to. That's what separates some of the great players from from the average players to the poor players. To be honest, John, what are your thoughts on Tavares? Um, I mean, like Femi, I do feel a bit sorry for the guy because. You know, it weren't that long ago. I think it was Mr. Waffles in the chat had put he was keeping KT out of the team. For, he did point. for quite a few games, and I was like, "Oh, look, this kid's you know better than I thought." And then, you know, you had the shocker. Was it not in Forest when it where he was taken off after thirty minutes? And I think to be fair to him in this game, um, don't get me wrong, he was having a bad game. I don't think he was taken off. In like it wasn't specifically you're playing awful, so I'm taking you off the pitch. I think it was a genuine tactical change because Arteta went right. I'm going to move Xhaka to left back, get on Martinelli, and then we're going to change the system and bring Eddie on another like ten minutes, and we'll switch to a back three. And I know Granite can shuffle over and be that third centre back. So I think he was more a victim of the system than he was necessarily his performance because there was, you know, Partey could have come off. Uh, Erdegaard could have been taken off for their performances because they were just as bad. It's just that when you're playing in that position, if you make a mistake, it's a lot more apparent because you are close to the goal. Um, the other thing I would say for him is that when he first came into the team, it was when we were very heavily reliant on that left-hand side. And the left-back at the time when it was Tierney, it was, everything was going down that side and he basically wasn't really defending. He wasn't asked to defend. Jacker was dropping in for him. Now Jacker's playing higher up the pitch, so the left back doesn't get the same protection. Um, that's on Nuno to obviously adapt to that and the manager to explain it clearly. I don't know how he's going to respond um, to it. I hope he responds in the right way. And like Femi said, mentality is a big thing. I think this is partly is a test from Arteta as well. Was like, can you take this? Um, he's not doing it on purpose to single him out or anything. But I think he will use it as a, is this guy mentally strong enough to be in this squad? You know, there's certain things that Arteta demands from players that aren't necessarily like tangible that you can like measure um, like with any stats or data or whatever. So it, it's how he responds to this. The Brighton thing is a big game because 
I don't. I, I'm not sure that I would say if he doesn't get picked, that's his Arsenal career done because I do think it depends on the system and whether he changes to a back three, maybe. Um, I, I can't see. I mean, I don't know what is going on with Tommy Asu, so I can't see him being back and available for it. But he, you know, he's a left back, so really you should play him. I hope he gives him another chance. I think he's done it before with him early in the season where he had a bit of a stinker and he gave him another chance. He did the same thing for Lacongo. It was after the it was after the Liverpool game. Yeah, it was straight it? after the Liverpool game. Both of them yeah. had a stinker against Liverpool. Yeah. And they, and they, and they, they both the next game. Yeah, they both got another chance. So I'm hoping he does give it to him. The the issue I have with it this time round is that because of the system change, it does expose him a lot more. And like everyone's going to focus on him because he's had it happen to him in the past where he hasn't played very well. But if people go back and watch Thomas Partey and how many times he gave the ball away, and I don't mean like gave the ball away where he's like on the ball and dawdled a bit. Like he, he can't make a five-yard pass. Like Erdegaard couldn't trap a ball. Lacazette might as well have not been on the pitch in that game. You know, there was there was other players on that pitch who were just as bad, if not worse, than Tavares. So I did see a lot of people jumping on him. So I just hope that because of the way the fans have got behind the team a lot more this season. Um, I saw he put a tweet out today, like, there's sort of generic, you know, bad for the team, disappointing in my own performance thing. And there's a lot of really good positive responses. So I hope, like, the fans do get behind him and if he is given another chance. Because there, there's definitely, he's got all the attributes like you'd want from a modern fullback. He's quick, he's, like, he's big and strong. Um, he loves going forwards. So uh, if they can get something out of that player, great. If he's one who maybe in a year or two they go, all right, it's not working out, we make some money on, fair enough. But, yeah, I don't hold any grudges against him. Uh, same as Femi said, he's not played. He's not had minutes, you know. Um, and it's not like someone like Lukonga, who's going and playing with the Belgian, like, first-team national team. I think Tavares might be in the under-21 setup, maybe, for Portugal. I don't think he's at, like, a... He, he, didn't, he didn't get picked. He didn't get picked this time. Oh, he didn't get I picked, saw him yeah. in that. I saw him in that behind-closed-door <laughs> friendly thing that we played. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you know what? Also, sorry, before Danny comes mm. in, I know he hasn't spoken for a second. What didn't help him was that Gabriel probably had one of his worst Arsenal games. Yeah. And that just did not settle him down because they were both playing on the same side. And it just looked like a shambles on that side, to be honest with you. It was crazy what was yeah. going on. And if, if he had Gabriel on form, could have covered some of those mistakes that he made. But Gabriel was a disaster on the night to be honest with you yeah he's, he's too like sort of well his three closest points of contact sort of in the team in the shape like Xhaka was pushing up a lot more than uh, as he has been doing in the last few games which I understand Smithrow was dropping in but not really doing it Partey sort of the anchor in front of the centre backs is your other option if you're the left back just like couldn't pass the ball couldn't trap the ball was making really bad passes and Gabriel was having a stinker as well you've got no one around you to help you um, and you generally try and look to your senior players or the people around you if you're struggling a little bit to ask for some help and you just weren't getting it. So I, you can't put it all on all on a kid. What are your thoughts, big fella? Yeah, some really interesting points that you made there. I think one thing we need to remember is that he is an extreme athlete and I don't think the position of left-back is nailed, nailed down. That's going to be his final position because we see... He could do left wing back. He could be a left midfielder, left winger, left forward. He, he, at the moment, 
he could do any of those jobs. And when you're that skillful and you're playing in Portugal, you're going to look like you're going to look world class playing. It was at Benfica, wasn't he? So he's probably come over here thinking, God, I was running everything at Benfica and uh, I'm not really getting much time. That um, uh, Femi made the point about when has he played. So he, he played 45 minutes against Crystal Palace. Then he was on the bench for four games. He got one minute against Wolves. Then he was five games on the bench, five minutes against Leeds, two minutes against West Ham, 25 minutes against Everton. And then, like you were saying, John, my waffles put in there, he played six games, 90 minutes each. We won three, won two, nil, two, nil, lost four, nil to Liverpool, one, two, nil. Then we lost three, two, lost two, one, and then he was out again. But so in the last four, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 games, he's had a one minute, a two minute, a five, and then he played half a game. You can't you can't expect a young man to come in and do that, especially when he's new to the team. If it, if it was the other way around and it was Tierney coming in and doing that, Tierney's been at the club for three seasons now. He knows what to do. He knows how to fit in. And another really good point that you were making, John, partnerships. Arsenal are at their best when it's Tommy Ashu on the right with Saka ahead of him and it's Tierney on the left with Smith Rowe or Martinelli on the left. Those people have got chemistry. And so many positions were messed up and you can't expect... Uh, a 22-year-old bloke to come in and just go, right, don't worry, lads, you're all having a bad game, I'll sort this out. It's never going to happen. How about you, James? What did you think about it all? Because you've not really given your opinion on much <coughs> stuff yet. Um, Tavares, I'm very much of the same thinking as Femi. I think he's got physical attributes. He's got a degree of technical ability as well, but I think he's at the stage where he needs to point, uh, prove if he has the mental toughness. I look at him play and I've always thought that he is, you know, he's really physically good. He's strong. He's quick. He's imposing. You can say he's intimidating because he's a big kid as well. He's like six foot two, isn't he? Six foot one. So he's not, in terms of fullbacks, he's big. He's bigger than you would expect for a fullback. He's not like Cedric, diminutive size. Do I think he's got what it takes in terms of his mental toughness? Perhaps not. I think he's at that sort of crossroad, crossroads, if you will, where he is going to need to either shit or get off the party, to be brutally honest. Um, he could go either way. I think he's either going to see what's happening to him at the moment as a, you know, a reason for him to push forward, to knuckle down, to train hard, to improve, to get better to try and you know, be analytical of his mistakes, to push past those, you know, and be honest with himself. Like, I, I'm of the opinion that the only way you can ever get better at anything is if you're honest enough to admit you're not very good at it. And then that's the only way you can improve. That's the only way you can push forward. And I think if he, if he has the mental foresight, and none of us can really know because we don't know the kid, we don't watch him in training, we don't know what his positives and his negatives are in terms of his personality, we could only speculate, but I hope he starts against Brighton. I've got a sneaking suspicion that something will change. Something will come out of left field that we're not expecting, which is going to lead me on very nicely to my sort of second round of questions, if you will. Now, I've long had this theory that if you look at our starting eleven. And you, whether or not you think the best starting 11 includes X player, X player, you think the positions 
I think that we can least afford an injury in are the three that we've currently got injuries in. Now, I think we, we've, we will find it very hard to replace both of our fullbacks and Thomas Partey. I think if you, you can look at the front players and whether that be Lacassette, Odegaard, Martinelli, Smithrow and Saka, normally only four of those five will start. So if one of them's missing, then any one of that uh, triumph, triumph, that's the wrong word, any that group of people can come in and replace that other one. If we lose Xhaka, then you would argue someone like either Odegaard or Smithrow can drop back. The Congo can come in and play that position. If we were to lose Ramsdale, then we've got a very good backup keeper. And I think Rob Holding is very capable of replacing either Gabriel or Ben White. But I think those three those positions that we've got absentees in, Tierney, Tomayasu, Party, those are our three positions where we are the weakest in terms of depth. Now, my question to you guys, and I'm going to start with Danny, because that's sort of the opposite way to where I went previously, is given that we've got those absentees there, do you, A, agree with what I said? They're probably the three worst ones we could have. And B, what would you do in terms of solving the problem? Because there's quite a lot, number of different ways you can look at it. You can look at, could we go to a back three? Could we put holding in next to Gabriel, play Ben White a fullback and put Cedric maybe to the other side because he's more, arguably more competent in terms of having the mental capacity to be a fullback, albeit not in his natural position. So how would you solve that problem? See, this is what I would have liked to have done. I think Arteta went around it the wrong way for them. There again, if I, like I always say, if I knew anything, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you idiots, would I? I'd be managing Barcelona, trying to get them relegated. But the thing that he did wrong, he went defence, defence, Xhaka left back, defence, defence. Oh, everybody up front. Shouldn't have done that. He should have brought Big Bob on, left Xhaka where he was because he was, he was doing a job in midfield that Party wasn't doing and then played three at the back and then... That's what I'd like to have seen. But if you're ever going to play three at a back, then I think it's always good to do it at home because three at the back means you've got one more player playing further up the field. And if you're at home, that tends to mean you'll be more attacking. Uh, but I don't think he will. I think he'll go stay, stick with the four at the back. It'll be Tavares playing at left back. Um, I don't think Tommy's going to come back yet, is he? It's going to be a few weeks before he's back. So at right back, maybe he's going to put um, uh, Ben White there and have uh, holding at centre-back. There's going to be some combination of that. He's not really going to go and ch- I think he only changes his tactics when things aren't working out or whether he's trying to right we're down to 10 men and he wants to try and keep a lead. But there are, like you were right, with, with our two fullbacks, are the two worst positions for us to cover him because one of them, Tavares, is so young. He's only had one of the bit seasons at Benfica. And at the other side, you've got the other Portuguese lad who's not really done it at Southampton. I still do quite like him, but I think, he would only play well if the other players around him are playing well. And he does like to get forward a little bit too much. He's not the greatest defender. So we're going to have to do. There's nothing else we can do. I, I, I'd go three at the back and have another one in midfield and probably have someone there to try and support Lacazette. Because once start, you get Lacazette scoring goals and then you've got people covering for him so that he can go forward and do more stuff, I think we're going to see more of Lacazette. But we've got a question coming up later about Lacazette, which I think was quite, quite funny, if not mean. But... He is quite limited because we didn't we didn't strengthen in the summer. There's not much else he can do, is there? I mean, you've got Joel Lopez, the Spanish left back. You can't. I mean, if you think Tavares isn't ready to play in the Premier League, then Joel That's Lopez is nowhere near. Yeah, you, you can't do that. And he's he's 
a couple of years ago, he was fantastic for the under-18s and then moved up to the under-23s. Not really heard much of him this season. Under-23s are having a decent season. I think we're second or third in the league. But it's going to be the same stuff, same players, same positions, same formation, same everything. He's just going to have to swap a, a few of them in and out again. So same two questions to John this time, please. Um, definitely the weakest positions we've got in terms of depth. Um, the Thomas Party one's interesting because... I've it's been a long time since I've seen a Premier League team play with like the single pivot midfielder. It used to be all the rage, although back then it was called the you were the Makalele of the team. And they were just considered defensive players and no one ever appreciated what they could actually do on the ball. But I actually think that is what Thomas Party is doing for us. He is that defensive player but can also bring it forward. And no one ever looked at players like Makalele or you know, Petit could do it and there's tons of them that did, that did that sort of thing. Um, fullbacks, I was worried when Cedric first came in for said uh, for Tomiyasu um, because it would have to change the way we play because he generally was the fullback who would tuck in more and almost become a third centre back and let Tierney go forwards. I actually think that Cedric's form has been pretty good, and unfortunately, he came up against Zaha, who on that particular night was absolutely on it and fucking roasted him like all night long. Um, and he didn't get any help at all. Um, and to be fair, if Zaha is really on it, he roasts most full fullbacks in this league. He really can do it. So I've got a bit of sympathy for him. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what Arteta is going to do. This, I'm just like looking through the squad and what you can do. Like if you go to free at the back, then you can, you arguably, you get like all our exciting forwards on. You can mm-hmm. do that then because you can have Xhaka and, and Lakonga as like a double pivot and you can go right. Saka and Martinelli, you're going to play as normally be wing backs, but you're not really, you know, you're, essentially you're getting forward a lot more and you could put Smith Rowe closer to Lacazette and almost have him as the false nine like as a second striker that kind of thing um, I think he'll probably stick with a back four I hope he plays Tavares because I hope he gives him another chance um, the only other thing I could see him doing if he doesn't want to play Tavares but keep the back four is do what you said and you know, bring in holding maybe switch, switch Cedric to the left and put Ben White at right back which Ben White is probably our closest analogy to a Tomiyasu. But again, what you're doing there is a back four that was very settled for the majority of the season and has been really good and solid together. You're moving a partnership, you're separating a partnership at centre-back. You're taking one of our best partners from those two out and putting me into a right-back position, which means, all right, he can still do the passing from there, but it's from a tighter angle. Um, you're making a right-back play at left-back, uh, and Cedric has done it and did it for Southampton has done it for us before as well but it's not a strong position um, I actually personally think the way to go with it hmm. is to do Tavares at left back and then play Gabriel holding and White because yeah. when he gets forward and Tavares of those four is the only one that really likes to bar forward that gives us the ability for the other three to go back to essentially a back three Yeah, I think and that would help Tavares because you've got if Shaka plays alongside Lacondra in the pivot, his natural inclination is to sort of filter back into the left side of the... Um... Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is that you can still play, because of Partey being out, I hope, like fingers crossed, if we do keep with the back four, that Arteta doesn't ask Lacondra or Xhaka to play 
the Partey role. And he just says, right, okay, for this game, right, granted, you're not going to go forward and get into the box as much as before. Um, you're going to sit and we're going to have a holding two again. Because think, when yeah. we did that, then, you know, he does then tend to cover the left back when they go forward, which means you can actually have two fullbacks getting forward then. Um, and you and then you don't disrupt that forward line, which, to be honest, I think you can sort of mix and match. And change I, I, I also think, and yeah. uh, my apologies, Fanny, I'm just mm. going to make one point before going to you. I also think that parte there, you need to go with um, Gabriel holding a white because it just makes us more stable at the back. But that's enough of me whittling on. Femi, what do you think? I think keep it the same. That's my personal opinion. Um, until it's broken, well, really broken, I guess, <laughs> keep it the same. I'll just leave those two centre-backs there. Um, we've had, you know, what, 13 or 14 clean sheets, mainly with those two in there. Um, the full-backs just have to come in and play um, until it's broken. What I would say is I would switch from that 4-3-3 we've been playing now to more of a double pivot with Lukonga and and Jacko. I, I think that's the only little tweak that I would make um, in terms of at the back, up, up front. I'm sure we'll come on to that when the questions come. But at the back, uh, that's the only switch I'd make just to get party uh, Jacko alongside uh, Lukonga because a few of these games we will have majority of possession in Brighton, Southampton. Southampton is going to be very similar to to Palace as well, so keep it the same, you know. Um, just just a few little tweaks. I, I don't going three at the back. I just I just have nightmares of last season, you know, when we when we went that crazy run in what was it like October, November, December last year, where we were just losing every game, and then we just kept switching the formation, three at the back, four at the back. We were just doing everything and nothing was working. We found something that's kind of working. Um, and we do have more control of games playing four at the back. Because one thing you've got to remember if you play three at the back is you are you do have to take out an attacking or midfield player. You know, so you'd have to take out an Erdegaard or a, or a Smith Rowe or a, you'd have to take one of them out. And that's what's been giving us control of games. So I, I wouldn't want to see us losing control of games anymore. I just, I just don't want to go back to those not creating chances. We're still creating chances. Even in the Palace game, we're creating chances. So that's that's well, why I say just, yeah, we'll just stick with what, what is kind of working. If you start playing around with it, it, it can just break everything in, in such a short period of time. I think that's a very, very good point, is that you do, the more you tinker, the more you risk fucking up in its entirety. I've always looked at it and thought that defensively, I think we can afford to lose Tierney or Tomayasu. And But both of them and Partey leaves us with a mass. I think if Brighton, probably not so much of an issue given that they're not likely to throw, they're not likely to pin us back and put us under too much pressure. Southampton away is banana skin because on their day, they can play, and they've got players in that side that can play. And I think that you take out Tommy Asser, you take out um, Tierney, you take out Partey. And then if I was the opposition manager, that's the first thing I'd say. i say, go after those points. They are considerably weaker defensively because of that. I mean, I understand absolutely the idea of you have a system, you stick with it, and the personnel have got to come in, and they've got to adapt to that system because it's the way that you want to play. 
and they should all be um, indoctrinated in the correct ways in which to do so. But I think there's got to come a point where you sort of look at your team and you look at what you have at your disposal and that you make a change because that's what the personnel dictates you do. So you have Holding, you have Gabrielle and you have White. Those three players on the pitch, in my opinion, give us more defensive stability than having Tavares and Cedric on either side. I think one. I think Arsenal's biggest problem, and this this wasn't Arteta's fault in the in the excuse me in the um, January window where we didn't recruit another striker. And I agree with his reasons for doing so. I agree absolutely that if you can't get the one that you want, you don't go get go and get one for the sake of it. Agree with that 100%. In the same respect where I agree with Alain Aubameyang to leave, that it was right for him to go, it was right for us for him to go. It was the best thing for everybody concerned. But irrespective of whether or not I think he's at fault, and I don't, we have a problem at centre-forward. I don't think our leading number nine is anywhere near as clinical as we need him to be. He's not. He's good for the team but he's not a threat. He doesn't put centre-backs under pressure. And because of that, if we're in a closely fought game, if we're in, say, a 50-50 battle, and the other team's got a, a striker that's going to get you 10, 15, 20 goals a season, they're probably going to win because we don't... Maybe it's just me. Maybe I've just got skewed perception in this, but I just don't feel that through the middle, centrally, we're anywhere near enough as a threat as we could be. The way I look at it is if it was never going to happen, let's just say purely for the hypothetical, we bought Vlaovic in. That would be instantly transformative, to have a player of that ilk, of that ability, of that physical stature, of that, you know, who's someone who's that clinical in front of goal, transforms us. And we don't have that. And I think if we don't have a good base... We don't have something that, you know, a building block from which we can progress. If we don't have that, and we do with our first choice back four and pie, we have that. I think we're going to struggle to score goals. I think we might struggle to win games. And I don't want to sound like, you know, the naysayer or the pessimist of the group. It's just the way I see it. I think um, it's going to cause us problems, which is why I think that when we get to the games that are the quote-unquote tougher ones, like the Chelsea away, the um, definitely Spurs away, United at home, those games, the games we really need to win, we still got to go to West Ham, we do, don't we? Uh, yes, although those, I'm hoping they're still in the Europa League and distracted by that. And those games, those four games of the 10 left, I worry about because I'm concerned we'll have the firepower. I, I mean, if if we had our first choice back five and the keeper, I'd be less inclined to worry because I think that Tommy Asso and Tierney and Pai not only defensively give us solidity, but they give us enough of ball progression going forward. As and we and we lack that, you take those three players out and we've got a problem. And I think we might struggle to score goals. Now, I kind of. I'm concerned a little bit about the remainder of the season. And as you guys alluded to earlier in the podcast, it doesn't stem from the result on Monday night. 
The result, you can just brush under the table, cast it off. It's just one of those things that happens from time to time in football. It will happen to us. It happened to Chelsea. And no doubt just to say it will happen to any of the other teams for the remainder of the games because that's the nature of the sport we love. It is unpredictable. It's gloriously unpredictable. But and I've rambled on for a bit here. I'm going to try and, you know, somehow get a question out of this. Before you, you do know, that, I'll just say... That's uh, FK, who was one of the seven who invented AVW. That's his podcast, Latte Firm. Go I've to YouTube. It's very, very good. So he has top to quality punters on there. And he's he, uh, he came voice on of with, um He came on with Daniel and me more than a few occasions as well. So that's uh, uh, yeah, uh, a very, very top gentleman. He is. Can I just back up a point you were making about Eddie? Didn't buy a striker in January. We all said Eddie isn't the man to do it. Since Jan, since the January window has closed, he's played nine games for Arsenal. He's got and played over a hundred, about hundred and five minutes, and got one assist. We all said it wouldn't work. It isn't working. It's not going to work. Like, 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 he, he can't I, do it. I don't think it's Arteta's fault. I don't think the two players we've got left here. Iris fault. We couldn't get a, what we wanted in the January window, and we were right not to. We were right to let Aubameyang leave because it was just the best thing for all parties concerned. I think our problem is that is that we are relying on a striker who, for all intents and purposes, looks like he's had a battered cod supper most of the times before he goes onto the pitch. <laughs> um, we could have got someone in on loan. Most clubs have got players they don't want. Easy. Get someone in on a, a six-month loan and say you're not staying after this. Come and put yourself in the. Can you think uh, of someone we could have got that would have improved us because I, I find that very. Lukaku, God knows Chelsea's not <laughs> doing anything. Yeah, but he, he, he... <laughs> I, I agree exactly with what Stokes is saying. It's you, like they wanted Vahovic. I think we got strung along a little bit too long by the agent. I do also I do also think we probably dropped our interest a lot earlier than some of the papers were reporting and the agent was stirring a lot of that up to get the event that's still like done and, and seen through. Plus Fiorentina were desperate to get it done in that window uh, to get the maximum amount of money for him. Um, but yeah, going back to the way we used to do transfers where it was, uh, we can't get this player or that player who are actual targets or we'll just sign him. You know, we'll get this player in or we'll just get this guy on loan and we'll agree to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. It's not going to work. Like, uh, my my guess would be that the club's plan for this season and, like, sort of aims was, right, get back to the Europa League. They've found themselves through really good recruitment, I think good coaching, um, getting the fans back on side, all those factors, in the position where they might get Champions League and it's probably a year earlier than they expected. Um, if everyone's completely honest with it and sort of assessed what we what the plans aims were for this season, especially with the things that have happened like Aubameyang leaving and stuff like that, that was never obviously in the plans. Um, so I don't think deviating from the transfer strategy they've got for one window on the off chance that you know um, we might get the Champions League, I'm not sure it's necessarily worth the gamble. Like, I remember people saying about, do we need another striker in January? Because um, wh- when was it Aubameyang officially left? Was it end it, of the window? Towards the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, towards the end of the window. So, like, there was, like, talks and rumours about and everything, but no one was really sure. And there was lots of people saying, maybe it's a falling out, it's going to resolve and it'll come back in again. And First then some, Yeah, but then, uh, to be yeah, fair, right. most people weren't really asking for Aubameyang to come back in because although Lacazette wasn't scoring goals... 
he was playing quite well. He's holding the ball up. He was linking play, and you know Smith Rowe was getting goals, Saka and everyone else. And it was sort of like, all right, well, if if he does that till the end of the season, then fine, we'll, we'll live with that. I think more people were concerned about getting a midfielder in because we thought Partey was going to be off for the whole month, and you know we we wouldn't be able to cope. In the end, that I mean now it obviously looks bad, um, but yeah, the Lacazette thing is a, is a serious issue. Like I I like the guy and I like his work rate, but. Like Monday night highlighted for for all his lack of goals that he's got, in particular in open play this season, he has always worked really hard and he's been the one thing, despite his size and everything else, he's fought and battled for everything and he has held the ball up or won free kicks and got us up the pitch. And in a game like the Palace one, which, again, like you say, you can write it off, but if you're struggling in a game, sometimes you just need to lump it up to a player, get him to hold him up, win a free kick. Just take a breather for a second, you know. Get the team like rolled up, just like move yourselves up the pitch a bit, win another free kick, those sort of things. And he just wasn't doing it in that game. And that was, to be fair, to Palace again. Like they they played him really really well. You know, they they just followed him around the pitch, stopped him. They didn't let Partey get on the ball or do anything with it either. Um, and they stopped all the passing lanes into him, so he was completely isolated. Um, I hope he comes back stronger in the Brighton game because I still see him playing. Um, that was actually I, the question I was leading up to. Yeah, do you, do you guys think it might be a? There's two options we can realistically look at. One is Smith Rowe as a false nine. Two is mm-hmm. Martinelli down the middle. Do you guys think it might be try, time to try one of those? Out? Especially if you look at the Palace game and any of our upcoming opponents watch that mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. then they'll just say, "Well, the way to stop him, the way to stop him connecting the play and interlinking yeah. with all the others is just to stick someone on him." Yeah. I I, yeah. I I still think he'll start and I personally I would not put I wouldn't move Martinelli from that position. I mean I wouldn't drop him either, to be fair. I would be playing him if he's fit and he's available, I'd play him because he's been fantastic and running from that side. And it's it's kind of the he's not Arjun Robin level and in the same way that Saka is, it's kind of the thing of, oh we know what this guy's gonna do, he's gonna cut inside on that foot and have a shot or, you know, make a chance. So you just just send him down the other side. And it never works. It never works, and Saka gets through, or Martin Lady does, and they either get a goal or they set someone up. Um, if I was Brighton, I'd be paying more attention to what we, what Palace did to, although Party won't be playing, to our deeper midfielders and what they did to Martin, Martin Odegaard. Um, because even if Lacazette isn't in the game, if Odegaard's on his game or Partey's on his game, we've got more control over the ball. We're getting a bit more tempo back. We're getting those breathers, those five minutes. We're not going to be as out of shape and out of position. Um, you're going to get Saka into the game more. Like that's the least amount of like touches on the ball I've seen Saka have, like in a half of football, probably besides, I don't know, like Man City or someone like that, where you just fair enough, you just never fucking have the ball. So, I don't know, they're like mutants from another <clears> planet. <throat> um so I, I don't think those players are gonna play as bad as that again. This season, they might have like off days, but I don't think you're going to get that many players all playing that badly again this season. But Lacazette is an issue, but I don't. There's nothing we can do about it. I mean, it is like you said. There's those two options, but I I don't think Martinelli is necessarily strong enough to hold the ball up when he's playing central. I think he offers two central defenders on the opposing team a lot more problems than Lacazette. Yeah, I, I think I think something that helps Lacazette, funny enough, is the party and Tierney injuries because the seniority of those players 
just mm. you, you, you know Arteta he does like a few senior players in the team so especially down the spine if you take party out he probably wants someone you know kind of that can but for me like the the hold up play is not enough to justify a player scoring four goals in the league it's just not enough i'm sorry i mean we it's it's, and and what is it like? Two is from open play. One is. Like, I, I'm not. Players. I'm not defending his goal record. But what I'm saying is, if you put Martinelli in that position that Lacazette plays, um, he not he obviously he's not necessarily going to play it the same way and come as deep. But he's going to have his back to goal a lot more than he does at the moment. Like now, when he receives the ball, he's running onto it and he's facing goal and running players. If he's playing through the middle as a striker. He's going to have his back to go a lot more, and he's going to have I one, two centre-backs. I reckon if I'm a six-foot-four lumbering, not necessarily very pacey centre-back, mm. I'm worrying far more about playing against Martinelli than I am. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. But also, if he, if Martinelli is running at me as a centre-back from the left wing, and I'm on my heels at the time, I'm terrified. If he's in front of me and I can put my hand out and I can touch him. I can just smash through the back of him. I'm not going to care as much. And I'm not like, don't get me wrong, he's bulked up and he's got stronger and stuff. And I know it's not that sort of football anymore, <laughs> but I think he's going to get bullied a lot more through the middle than he is coming off that side where he's just, he gets the ball and he just runs. Well, you're, you're taking it through the middle, it's different. Smith Rowe for me is the more interesting one just because he's, he's linking up play and his constant movement and finding space is very different. But then what that does then is put even more pressure on Saka because he generally is our out ball. Like if we're going long, like he's the only other player who really gets hit with the ball long when he's got a defender on him and can hold it. Like Martinelli, when that ball's pinged out to him, he generally has got a bit of space. He hasn't got the defender right on him, like challenging for it airily or anything. Saka just backs into a guy and just like, he's, he's unbelievable that kid with his strength. Martinelli's taking yeah. it with his first touch and knocking it past someone. You're not going to do that through the middle with two centre backs behind you. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, go, Danny. Go, yeah, go ahead. Go on, Danny. Danny, go on. Yeah, um, would you say it's got what? What the job that we're asking Lacazette to do is not be a striker and then play as like a, a, a an advanced um, attacking midfielder. So that means in that role behind him, we can't have Smith Rowe and um, Odegaard together who could both play better as forward players. So if Lacazette can't score goals because he hasn't got the pace, the speed, the ability to, as a 31-year-old bloke, this is shocking, but he's never really done it, to be able to get the ball and run at them like Martinelli does. But we've seen that Smith Rowe can come on and he can score goals. And there's quite a few people that know what they're on about have gone, I like to see Smith Rowe as, 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 as a striker be it long-term or short-term. But would it have legs to say we'll have Smith-Rowe in the Lacazette position and then load Odegaard behind him? Because they can both, they're both ball players. They've both got speed. They've both got pace. They can both pass the ball around. And if you're not <coughs> scoring goals through Lacazette anyway, then why not give those two a goal? Because we those two a go. Because we've seen game after game this season, we're not scoring goals. And when Lacazette gets a chance, he is... He's just rusty. He's lost the ability to do it and he is not scoring goals. And we can't get Champions League football if we're going to go the rest of the season hoping that Lacazette is going to maybe score one in six, one in seven. You can't do that. Because if you played Smith-Rowe as, as in the Lacazette position and then Odegaard behind him, do you think Smith-Rowe would get better than one goal in seven? I think he'd, he, have, it, he'd have more than four goals this season. Yeah, he'd have more goals, but I don't think he's winning you as many free kicks or holding the ball up as well. I think he's losing possession a lot more. And I think the ball's what coming straight back at us. Free kicks. 
Well, to be fair, I think we've been a lot better this season from set pieces, defensively and offensively. But it's not James Ward prowsing them, are we? No, we're not James Ward. Oh, fuck me, that kid can hit some free kicks. Um, <laughs> that bloke should be have a, a warning label on him. Yeah, but something's got to be done about our lack of goals. Eddie isn't doing it, no matter whether you're playing wide or up front. He's he, I thought it. he was He's good against Palace when he came on, to be fair. Yeah, there's good and then there's... What about the um, the much debated Pepe through the middle? Oh fuck no, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Just bring back Yaya Sanogo. Mate, See, honestly. I mean, people call, people scorn it. I don't. Actually, I think in terms of finishers, he's one of the better finishers at the club. Yeah. I mean, that from Jimmy. Jimmy's put, why not try Pepe yeah. as a striker? Not only does he confuse himself, he might be able to confuse a defence. The problem is... That's right, actually a very good point. I mean... He, he does genuinely, but what Pepe is going to turn up on a pitch? Is it the Pepe hmm. who stops the ball, does like probably five tricks more than he needs to, but beats the player and you're like, oh, that's amazing, but you could have probably done it in half time, scores a goal, great. Or is it the Pepe who can't stop a two-yard pass and just falls over his own feet? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. He is Top enigmatic point. in that respect, but yeah, <laughs> that's polite. <laughs> <laughs> He's, um, got, um, yeah, you, you, I, I think our lack, like you're saying, look, I'm looking at the goals we scored since Watford, where we played well. Leicester was two set piece goals, um, mm. penalty and a and a corner header. Liverpool, no goals. Villa, one goal. Palace, zero goals. And then you go back to January, we had that run of zero goals. We mm. scored 44 league goals for the whole season. I mean, it's, it's pretty disappointing. I mean, yeah, um, we, we've got to try something. I know it's, it's quite late in the season to be trying something new, but it, it's, it's quite a problem <laughs> because I think the only reason that the other teams are even close to us is because we, we generally don't score enough goals. Um, and it's quite weird because we won quite a lot of games recently. I think like eleven and fourteen or eleven and fifteen, and but they've been by the odd goal. So, Danny, what you're saying, you know, rest players and try different things. We, we a lot of the times we can't because we're not that far, that far up. Running always, dry on them. Yeah, the, it's always the other quiet games. The other thing as well is, say you take Lacazette out and you try Martinelli or Smith Rowe through the middle. That means one or the other is then playing the wide position. Um, and then you immediately put your, the, the squad back in a, a situation of one of them gets an injury. You're back to, okay, well, we're putting the guy back in in Lacazette because we're short one of those players and we've got no cover for anything yet again. Um, you know, like at the moment, those two wide positions of Erdegaard are the ones where we've got some options. And like with Pepe being the the second out of those the choices, but I think most fans, if you ask them, they don't really want to see Pepe come on in most games. I think as someone made a point to it on some podcast I listened to, and I forget where it was, but they made a very good point. Him coming on um, and being effective depends on what kind of game he's coming. Into. Yeah, the game, the game state. Yeah, if we if, if we're chasing, in, I think we're better. Good. It's better. Yeah, if we're holding on to a lead, then he's no. yeah, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, James. Well, he has to, he has to is, play uh, at some point. Sorry, sorry. Um, just, uh, he has no, to because just, we. He's a seventy-two million pound player. That's just basically he, doing he's got the ability to score goals. Yeah, yeah, but you, you he say he's a seventy-two million pound player. He's got to play, but 
you know, Blackazette was what, 58 million, Aubameyang was 60 million. They've both been dropped for long periods of their career at the club. If they're not doing it's basically not played this season for the I mean, whole I season, think, basically. I think honestly, that guy, if in the summer we get a striker and maybe a second one who can play up front or wide. I saw Richarlison suggested as a possibility. He's the sort of I don't, guy. I, I, that's going to go to record. I think that's a fucking terrible yeah. idea. That is. <laughs> but like, as an example of a player who can play wide or up front, yeah. I, I understand the example of it. Um, then if, I think if we get two players in those four positions, Pepe's done. He, he'll be gone and they'll take 30 million, 35 million, be like, yeah, thank you very much. See you later. You were overpriced. You know, previous regime, there was something very dodgy about that deal from the first <laughs> start for the, for the value of it. And, and I, I do kind of feel sorry for Pepe because it's not his fault that we paid 72 million for him. I think if he came in for 30 million, then most people would go like, yeah, all right, it was probably worth the money. Hasn't quite worked out. Moves on. It's fine. But everyone will just look at that 72 million price tag and go, nah, not a chance. James, can I just say hello to Stephen underscore Gooner1. He's new to Twitch and he gave us his prime subscription. So we get $1.50 for that. Cheers, Stephen. Yeah, everyone else has got Amazon Prime. And you want to get you get it one free every month, and you can give it to us. And don't actually ever give us real money or real bits or real subscription. Don't do it. But the Amazon Prime you can give us for nothing if you if want you, to. If you to do give it, us real know. money, then we invariably have to spend it on various degrees of Chris Carpenter rehabilitation clinics. But he has some. He has uh, many well documented proclivities that Danny will t- confess to that we are ill prepared to bail him out of another. You know, um, not rescue centre. <laughs> we had to break him out, like the eighteen. We had to break him out of fashion prison, yeah. and uh, yeah, that was <laughs> Can hard. I just reply to something in in the chat before we go to whatever mm-hmm. the next topic is. Someone's talking about Pepe contributing more goals and assists than Erdegaard playing less minutes. I, that's this is why I love goals and assists. That's because it just just make it can make <laughs> you look stupid, and I think Patrick Vieira basically killed that that. Thing on Monday where he said, look at Conor Gallagher, the way he plays. He said he doesn't need a goal and an assist for him for you to watch him and say what he's one of the best midfielders in the league. And mm. it's energy, pressing, control of the game, all those sorts of things are more tangible to me sometimes than goals and assists. You can have a player scoring 10 goals, 10 assists in the League Cup and the Europa League group stages people need to take the, the games into account that he's scoring these goals and that the, the, what else he's giving to the team. So you, you, you sometimes got to be careful with goals and assists. There's no way that Pepe contributed half as much as Erdegaard this season. Oh, absolutely. Not, not a chance. Not <laughs> yeah. It's like the uh, Ozil video, like the Ozil fanboys always show. Was it against like Ludogorets or someone oh. where he like, he nutmegs one player and flicks it over another guy's head and like does the bounce shot off the ground. And I'm like, Who's he playing against? He's not doing that against Bayern Munich, is he? And I'm like, and it's at a point in the game when we were like, I don't know, three 0 up already or something. It's like you got to put things into context. Well, Pepe is the most frustrating player we've had probably since oh, like Kleb or someone like that. Like unbelievably talented, exceptional finisher of the ball. Like the way he can hit a ball with his left foot is unreal. But the consistency in his game is just not there. It really isn't there. And he got brought in to do a job that I don't think he can do. You know, he was very good at Lille because of the setup. Was was the whole team? Yeah, was made for him. 
You know, it was built for him to shine. And if this team was built for him to shine, I have no doubt that he would be playing every week and he'd probably get you yeah, 20-something goals a season. Maybe, you know. But, but it, he's still playing he like someone. He's yeah. still playing like someone who's only joined the club three months ago. And he's still not quite sure what he should yeah. be doing or how the team gel together. And it's been three and about three and a half seasons or two and a half seasons, two and a half yeah. or two and three quarter seasons. And it's still going, uh, well, who are you? Where do I go? What do I do here? What's the Premier League about? I think it's a shame because he's obviously got so much talent. But yeah, I think he's, ar- he's arguably up there with the most talented players at the club. I mean, that stuff he does with the ball on the edge of the box, magical. That goal he scored against seat. Wolves was element. Oh, that was element brilliant! Too. Yeah, yeah. But I, like uh, what John said, it is he could. He, I think the end of the day is that the step up to Arsenal in the Premier League from Lille in Liga has just been probably a little too much for him. I think in that league, in that club, in that position he played, in the formation he played, where he was more often than not, from what I can gather, I don't really know too much about French football, from what I've heard from those that do, is that Lille or Murray much one of those teams that sit back, soak up pressure, then bang, go forward. And he's quick, he's good finisher, so he was very much, you know, suited to that system where mm-hmm. Arsenal, who, when they're playing against the... Um, I say in inverted commas, the so-called lesser teams are more possession-based. They were expected to have more of the ball, expected to, you know, find alleyways and create chances in close-knit areas. He's just not suited to it. He's just not. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's a... Oh, God. He's a pirate's Look at that windswept son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) His grinder Um, profile picture. Um, If John said, if he was a £30 million player, we wouldn't really care. But now he's a £15 million player. And that's going to be as long as we pay part of his wages. Past the summer, I will be fucking dumbfounded. That's the thing. Like, I do think he's a good player. I know we've spoken about Pepe for a long time. We weren't even involved in that game. But... He's the sort of guy who you would normally see maybe go to a team like Newcastle, like previously, or Everton mm. or someone like that, and they'd sort of build their front line around him. And you'd be like, geez, this is a real talent there. And there'd be rumours about him going to like a top four, top six club or something. And then he maybe, it would be the, does he go to like a Leicester, who are sort of like European, like consistent kind of team now, or does he take that step to top four and then whether it works out or not? I don't think he's ever going to quite get past that point just because of the way the league is. And mm. you know, like, there's um, there was a really good interview with uh, Delit at Juve the other day, and he was asking him about the differences when you move from like a smaller league to like Italy. He obviously moved from uh, Holland. He said it was amazing, like watching us play like the team who were in last, and we won one nil, and everyone in the stadium was cheering. So if that was Holland, we'd be getting booed because why didn't we win 4-0? Like, I didn't understand that there was competitive games with every team in the league. And that's what the Premier League is. It's the, it's the same thing. There's, there is an easy game. So you've got to do both sides of the game, you know, defensively and offensively. Well, if no one else has got anything to say or anything I'd like We've to... We've got questions. Um, I've got one quick thing before we go on to questions. Are you going to do oh, yeah. the questions, Danny? Well, the questions are just simply. Well, John can do them. John likes reading. He's got his glasses on. I'm quite, um, the question is, and I'll start with Femi on this one, is that who is you 
what would your team be for Brighton and how do you see that get see that game going? Um my team would be uh Rams are in goal. Has to be Cedric. Don't know what's happened to Tommy Asu dead. He's just not played since December, which is when were in April, four months. So Cedric, White and Gabriel, I'd stick with Tavares for this game. Um Lukonga and Xhaka, Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka. Mate, I can't with Lacazette, but <laughs> oh god, I, I, seriously, I just can't. But I'm guessing he's gonna he's gonna play. If it was me, I for one game would stick him on the bench and let him let him come on. But yeah, sorry, I, I just can't. I just can't with him. I just can't. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> Lacazette, <laughs> <laughs> Smith Rose come off the bench. Our bench is so weak. Our bench was so weak the other day. Now it's I had three academy kids on it, didn't I? Well, we've lost another couple of players. Mm. So who's going to be on the bench now? But yeah, that's 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 probably my team. And and yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to the. To, I was thinking that we've just had a lot of away games recently because I haven't been to a lot of home games. So um, yeah, back to the stadium on on Saturday. Looking forward to it. I was actually supposed to be going to the game, but I completely forgot about it and didn't arrange the time. <laughs> yeah, that's it sort of snuck up on me. Uh, Danny, what do you reckon? Brighton. I mean, she's none in hula hoops. Hold on. There you go. That's better. I don't know about um, you guys, but I just got a boner. <laughs> I'm reinventing the. We know it has to be a realistic formation, so I'm going to have Lacazette up front, but he's going to be the guardian of um, Martinelli. And what better way for Martinelli to learn how the dark arts of football have like the big man, little man, but they're both the same size man. I think they're both about 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, something like that. So it's I'd have Lacazette and Martinelli up front, three at the back, and then I don't care who plays in midfield. But I want people to have Smith-Rowe on the left, Saka on the right, Erdegaard in the middle, Lukonga and Lukonga and Jacko in, in the middle. And I think that's probably 12 players. So if I've got 12 players, we're playing two centre-backs. The gist of it is, I want us to score goals. We've got to find a way to score goals. Uh, John? Um, yeah, much like Femi, uh, it would just be... It's basically <laughs> the same same team. Um, Lukonga in for Partey. Uh, I would be starting Martinelli uh, over Smith-Rowe. Nothing against Smith-Rowe. I just think he's better coming off the bench as an impact player at the moment. And I still would stick with Lacazette. Um, and I, I would give Tavares that other chance. Um, I don't mind Danny's formation. Um, it's all right. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> well, I mean, you did get the correct number of players, though. Yeah, you can you can three five. Yeah, three five two. You can play that. Yeah, that, that um, is a James. Thing. Before you give your one, James, we've had another the Crimson Pirate one two three. Who's always a little bit cheeky in the chat. It's given us their Prime sub- subscription. That's another one one dollar fifty. Jeff Bezos is having us. It's all done in dollar dollar dues, isn't it? If you donate actual money, then Danny yeah. has to do a hot tub stream. There's a bit on Twitch where you can click, and it's got hot tub stream and ASMR. So actually, if you donate twice, yep, there you go. Then Show Danny has gets. to do. Uh, which one of us is that aimed at? All of us. <laughs> Danny has to do a, a hot tub stream whilst doing an ASMR mic. And we will invest in one of those fancy microphones with the ears on so you can just sit there and lick it for you. If you, anybody wants to come around and watch me have a bath and do my back for me, you're more than welcome. No men. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a bloke I watch called The Stock Guy. 
and he's in America. And he has said, I'm never doing a hot tub stream. He's put up a target of $80,000 and they're at $79,000 already. If you, if you want to, if you want to do stocks and shares of which I am doing hundred thousand pound virtual money, I'm very, very skinny. Call me, <laughs> call me skeptical or you. naysayer, but I can't imagine, and I mean, no offense by this whatsoever. I can't imagine you getting 80 grand for someone to watch you stream from in the bar. Maybe eight grand to not do it. Yeah, see, I'm doing it unless we get money. There again, Arsenal Vision have just raised fifty thousand pounds. Elliot and Clive and Paul. I mean, yeah, and, that's um, really, really and that lot. Amazing. Good, if they can raise fifty grand for for that lot, then eighty grand for me to do a, a bath stream. It's not really asked out of the question, is it? I'll get Mike in with me. No, it's not enough. We have to buy a new bath. Quick change. Sabers, what's your formation before this gets too weird? I was about to say you could get a hot tub, and you know the the, uh, the bubbles and the effervescence in the water Ooh. might, you know, distract people from bulges or curious shapes. <laughs> All right, um, but my I'm going to be slightly controversial and say I would go with Ramsdale in goal. I'd go with Tavares, Gabriel, Holding, White, then Xhaka and Lukonga. And then I'd play a front four of Smithrow, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli. I'll put Lacazette on the bench. Because I think uh, I, I think you've got to try something else with him. Talking of firsts, Crimson Pirate is the first person ever to gift... John knows all about this. He's the first person to ever gift a sub to somebody else on Twitch. Wow. So you've actually given proper money to someone called Timball... Tinball plays. I don't know who Tinball plays are. Whoever you are, you want to go and thank Crimson Pride. That's actually cost them money. So the money that you've All just right. got off of Jeff Bezos, he's now got back again. So this, <laughs> crim this Crimson guy, whatever, the Crimson Pirate guy, just donated something to someone else out of his own pocket. Yep. Yeah, a subscription to someone else, yeah. You That's can, you nice can gift out gift subs to other people. And he's just commented with boobs. What a wonderfully thought-provoking piece of insight. It is. That's what we like. <laughs> Oh, we can afford Josh again next week now, probably with that donation, to be fair. Oh, no, we have to get written permission from Soph before he comes on. <laughs> and she's not to be messed with. That's true. Who's not to be messed with? Sorry, I, I, I tuned out. I was just like, you know. Uh, Sophie from the, um, oh God, I've got on the... Library squad. Josh Moon. Oh, Josh has been, I'll Josh I'll been tell you, I'll tell you something yeah. funny about that um, podcast that... I, what, do, you, do you remember when it was Sophie? It was uh, it's me and Jock, Sophie, and some other dude. Sophie listens to this, so don't be horrible about it. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't going to be horrible about her. Thank God for that. Yeah. No, 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 because I, I thought she was really nice and thought she's obviously incredibly knowledgeable yep. about football. But yeah, she did this thing where Jock had an opinion. And then she just went through it like a fucking train. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you can argue until the, until the cows come home. And Jock, Jock's one of those guys where he's far too nice to argue back. But you could see, if you know Jock like I know Jock, you could see underneath it all, he was fucking fuming. And you could see the little cogs <laughs> in his head going around. Uh, that's Scottish anger. <laughs> there he is. There he is. I've, I've gone an hour and 26 minutes into this podcast and I've not once mentioned the jockometer. It's because it died on its ass. No one got it apart from Me. you. <laughs> <laughs> should, we, um, should we do the questions then, Danny? Not up to me. I'm, 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 I'm the button monkey tonight. 
I am done with my line of questioning for you, fine gentlemen. So, as far as I'm concerned, have have you got the questions, Danny? Can you can you pop them in our? If you go to see the top of the the chat, you go to starred. There's a new feature on Streamyard. Oh, and then they're all starred there. So pick and choose as and when you want. Hang on, it's a new feature. Starred. Oh, that's very fancy. Yeah, that's no more cut and paste. We've moved on. Okay. <laughs> Um, right, we'll start with Femi then. Uh, from Jimmy H32, uh, the fact that Katie is so injury prone, uh, if a decent offer comes in, is it worth cashing in on him now before he loses too much value? Oh, this is one I put I put to someone a couple of weeks ago actually when there was a link that he uh, was it Real Madrid, I think someone was yeah, oh, someone Madrid, was yeah. 50 million for him. Yeah, and I, I said think Ancelotti came in for him when he was at Everton. Yeah, but I just don't personally think. I think what we need to do is just have an adequate backup. We someone that we can see challenging him to take his place. Basically, that good. I think we've got to say every season he's been at Arsenal, he's had at least one, if not two, long-term injuries. So we have to just say, okay. You know, this season we haven't played in Europe. Next season, you know, touch wood, everything going great. We play in the Champions League. In the Champions League, there's not it's not the Europa League where you can just throw out eleven mixed squad players. You play your first team every week in the Champions yeah. League. So you've got to then have an adequate cover at left back. So personally I wouldn't sell him. Um I don't I don't see you getting especially if you don't it, it depending, you know, if you don't believe Tavares is the backup long term, and you're going to need to sign a backup, it's better to sign one left back than try and sign two left backs. Yeah. For example, you're not going to sign two strikers in one summer and then try and now rip it apart left back and start again there. So, <coughs> for me, I wouldn't sell him. I'll just get a good backup for him that you believe in, or work really hard with Tavares because you're going to need two strong players in every position next season. Without yep. a doubt. I agree with that one. Uh, Stokes, one for you from Phil Mecca. Uh, has Vieira passed his audition to be the next Arsenal manager? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you take out, if you take the fact it's Patrick Vieira, out of the equation, and let's just say it's manager X, and he's not. I mean, he's arguably my favorite Arsenal player of all time, Pierre. I cannot put into words how much I adore that man. But I think if you can sort of be really honest about it and say you take the fact it's him out of the equation, then maybe you would look at his managerial career and think maybe not, not yet. Yeah. I think if, if he's. Yeah, continues on the track. If he has another two, three, maybe even four good seasons at Paris where he continues the very, very good work he's already mm. done, then absolutely. But I think if you ask the same question to anyone and it wasn't Patrick Vieira, they would say no. Yeah, so if it was like, say it was Graham Potter doing that job. Yeah, or if it like was yeah. anyone, if it was like, yeah. an, let's say it's just a, a, fr- a form of French player that none of us really... Yeah. Remy Gard. Yeah, if it was Remy Gard or <laughs> yeah. even if someone, so, let's say, for example, me, if, it, if it was mm. Olivier Decor, yeah. no, no one would be, you know, no. you know clamouring for him to be the next Arsenal manager. Let me ask you in a different way. You're, you're, you've been put in charge of 
your new director of football of Man City, Pep's leaving in 18 months. You have a straight choice between Guardiola, uh, Guardiola, between Patrick Vieira and Mikel Arteta. Who would you, who would you put in charge? Uh, I mean, personally, I'm taking Arteta. He really I, I think because of his history with Pep, yeah. that would be Arteta. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I mean, I if, if, if Vieira, yeah, if Vieira continues on the sort of trend he's on at the moment with with Palace, and if in eighteen months' time he's you know still progressing with them and moving them up the table and improving their style of play and they're becoming you know getting more and more good results against the bigger teams as they started to do, then yeah, he's probably with in for a shout. I don't think right now. I think it's too early, but also I'd be interested to see what happens that. with Palace without Gallagher next season. Because Chelsea probably on the I think he'll stay there. I think he'll stay there next season. I can't believe Palace have only ever finished in the top half once in the whole mm. time they've been in the Premier League. That's I found that quite quite yeah, amazing. That's, that's, to be honest. I would never have thought that. <laughs> yeah, but the fact he's got them so close to it does say that he's doing it. Yeah, they're ninth yeah. at the moment. So <laughs> because, because, it's Patrick, because it's Patrick Vieira, <clears throat> and because I love that man so much, I think if he was to replace Arteta for whatever reason, I'd be quite happy with it. Yeah. Oh, I'd be I'd be excited as well. But no, I do. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Palace next season because I don't think Gallagher's going to leave Chelsea because of all the stuff that's going on at the club. There, we were probably. Well, I think the more I think they'll point probably is have Chelsea to keep them. I think Chelsea probably wouldn't want to let him go. Yeah. Yeah. Are you so, forgetting that when Vieira retired, he retired at Man City, and then he was the head of youth development at Man City for for four years and then he went to the Man City's MLS club, New York City, and he was there for three years as manager. But he didn't do great there, did he? No, he, he didn't, didn't, but he was didn't do particularly well in France either. Whereas no. Arteta's come in first job and taken a club that was, to be perfectly honest, falling apart. I think if you if you if you're being yeah. really honest, if if Guardiola left tomorrow, City wouldn't go after either of them. No, no. <laughs> no, they'd go and get Ten Hag or someone like that or yeah. I, I think he uh, yeah. you read the news that he might be going to United. Oh really? Yeah, I yeah, it's, about it it's a done it's a done deal. United have been leaking it all left, right and centre. It's a done I mean, deal. I mean on the on the upside it means they're probably gonna have to pay off Ronaldo because he won't like him. It'll they'll have to give him a load of money to get rid of him, which is hilarious. And Pogba. In first place. Um, well no he's isn't he walking for a free again? Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's probably back to Juventus. Probably back to you, Anyway, right. He'll go to PSG, surely. Pogba. It's whoever offers him the most money, I guess. Um, right, we'll do some more questions and then wrap it up because we have been going for quite a while. Uh, Danny, one from Formerly Noza for you. Uh, when, if Tommy is back, would you play Cedric on the left, um, or would you get Saka uh, to play there? Assuming that Tavares doesn't obviously play left back at all anymore, oh, it has to be Cedric. Yeah, if because um, Tierney's out, Cedric um, Tavares isn't. I mean, if Tavares was injured, yeah. Well, if if Tavares was just not in the picture, can I just say this? Picked. Nobody has actually considered playing Nicolas Pepe at left back yet. <laughs> <laughs> he is taller than Tavares. So he might. He's quite good actually heading the ball. He's not bad header of the ball. So yeah, maybe that's. Maybe that's a decent shout. <laughs> yeah, um, it'd be um, Cedric. I, I quite like Cedric. Give him a run a game, couple of games, and he, and he starts to play decent football. And he's quite versatile as well, which I like. Okay. A uh, couple of quick ones from Crimson Pirate. Uh, do you blame a small squad? We've sort of discussed around that anyway uh, already. 
Um, but he does also say, a statue for Mr. Rocky, the finest gooner uh, of all. Uh, and a little heart emoji. I think we all agree that oh, none God, of us yeah. would have a problem with having a statue of Rocky. We'd all love oh, to see yeah. one outside the stadium. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a if, any, if anything, it's almost a crime that we don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair. Um, so, yeah, that's a definite... Uh, Jimmy H32. Here we go. Quick fire for everyone. What will come first? Lack of scoring or is contract <laughs> ending? Femi? Uh, it's contract ending. <laughs> Stokes? Uh, same. <laughs> Danny? Penalty. Yeah. John? I, 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 think he, I think he'll get one goal. One more before he goes. At least one more. At least one more. One more goal. Oh, one no, more if, goal. If, if his one goal is against Tottenham in a 1 0 win, I could oh, I love just him. Retire. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a fan base, we just accept the drop off of Lacquer's foot year old. So technically, in his prime years, will Well, so. Technically, in his prime years, will the lackey years be remembered for actually anything good? Um, he was pretty good when we first got him. Yeah, I, I think the thing is when, because it was a few years of rumours about getting him on and off, wasn't it? And I think we missed the boat at getting him when he was actually at his best. And he came, this, yeah, yeah he, he came in at a weird time for the club as well. There was a lot of weird things going on. <laughs> That's also six months later, we went and signed another striker who cost more money, which was must have been confusing for him. I've said this before on the podcast that I actually think one of Arsene Wenger's last big mistakes was Lacassette. Hmm. You take the um, the years that um, from that point where we signed him up until now, if we'd have not signed him, kept with Giroud and bought a Bamiyang, we'd be a much better attacking team. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't agree with that when I say it, but I think Lacassette. If we were going to go after a Bamiyang, Lacazette was a mistake. Yeah. Well, Lacazette is now trying to play the way Giroud used to, holding stuff up, being a bit army leggy up front. Giroud's having a much better at that. He's having a good time in in Italy, to be fair. And yeah, if he was in this you know team what? now, I could see him scoring a lot of goals. So when we signed Lacazette, he was, believe it or not, neck and neck with Karim Benzema in the French national team. He was that was kind of around the level we was at, mm. and I was watching Benzema. 34 35 yesterday thinking geez look at his movement his energy his pace his movement like his touch and then i was thinking he's 34 like i said just turned 30 and he just looks <laughs> <laughs> it's like which one is 34 which one is <laughs> crazy the, like, the weird thing with yeah benzema's always been a bit odd in that like you can watch him some weeks and you go i don't get the hype what does this bloke do but then when you get a big game he just fucking turns up and he's like back incredible. to back Champions League yeah. hat tricks. Only the third or fourth person to ever do it. Yeah. Fourth. Um, do you guys want right. a quick trivia question? I heard the other day. Yeah, go on. Who's the only Arsenal player to ever score a hat trick against the same team in the same season in the home and away fixture? Is this? Hmm. Hmm. Are you yeah, obviously going to say something like that again? Who's say the again. only Arsenal player in recent history to score a hat trick? In the in the same season against the same team in the away and home fixture, I think I'll, I'll have a good guess, but I'll wait till the others have a guess. I see the only name that's popping out in my head, um, and it is during the Wenger era, so I could be completely wrong. Um, I'll give you it is during the Wenger era. Okay, 
The one player I remember scoring a few hat tricks, but they were always against rubbish teams. It's probably totally wrong. It's Carlos Vela. Were they against someone, Liverpool? Someone, someone said Theo Walker. I might go with Theo Walker. No, no. Okay. Was there any? <laughs> Gab, uh, Julio Batista against Liverpool. No, then it um, has to be Giroud. Then it no, has to be Giroud. No, it okay. is. I think it was either 2008, 2009, or 2007, 2008. It was Adi Bayor against Derby. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was Take thinking like, I was thinking like, I'm sure Vela scored like a hat trick one season against West Brom, and he probably did it in both games. And like, we were probably. I had like, to look that up when I read yeah. it. I had no idea. We were probably like 3 0 up in both games or something. No, it's with that, se- that season where Dar- Derby got the lowest um, ever. Oh, they got a, what was it like? Eight Savage or something, season, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! I think everyone got hat tricks that season against them. They were so shit. <laughs> um, few more so questions. A, I'll, I'll start, I'm going to ask John. You'll appreciate this, and mm. I reckon you'll get this. But it's a, a movie-related trivia question. It's a really good one that I heard ages ago. Okay. Who's the only actor to have been killed on screen by an alien, a predator, and a terminator? There's what there's one that's there's one that's very close as well. Alien, a predator, and a terminator. I'm trying to like because predator. There's less films, so. Mm. Do you mean the alien, as in acid blood? Yeah. Or an alien like Alf? No, the alien, as in the aliens. alien and mm. the terminator. Ah, <laughs> oh. it's the. Things I've got in my head is either Chris uh, the, the geezer with the creepy voice, whose name I can never remember, who played Bishop in Aliens. He's the one that's really close, Lance Henriksen. Yeah, Lance Henriksen. Um, and for some reason, the only other person I can think of who I know was definitely killed by a predator, who was vaguely, well, not vaguely famous, quite famous, is Gary Boosie, but it's not him. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go on. Then. It's Bill Paxton. Oh fuck yeah! Because he in First Terminator in the like start of the film. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of the punks. Yeah, and he's in Predator Two and yep. obviously in Aliens. Yep, that's true. I like the Predator films. Yeah. There we go. See, we've gone completely off topic now. That's why um, we need a podcast about films, John. That now that you're, you've been now that you've been freed from your your um, your job of working six hundred hours a day, we might my get Chinese you slave one. masters, and now I'm working <laughs> for a, now I'm working for a law firm instead of for you know sweatshops. It's funny enough, yeah. I had a quiz down for that, and that was one of the questions on it. Um, okay, there were a few more questions, um, but uh, yeah, we can't get through all of them. Um, so thank you to everyone who did ask questions, and thank you to everyone in the chat. Um, I will say also, if people like um, film quizzes, if you like Wordle, there is a film version of Wordle, um, but it's just stills from the film. You get six stills and you have six attempts to guess the film. It's called Ooh, Framed, no, Framed. Framed.wtf. Yeah. Framed.wtf. Um, yeah. So you get one a day and it is six stills from a film and then you have to try and work out the film. Framed.what? Sorry. WTF. What the fuck? As in what the yeah. fuck? As in what the fuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've been having loads of fun with that. You can see I've been very, very busy. <laughs> <under the stuff laughs> my new job. You're a new job. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, um, I will pass it back to Stokes then to wrap it all up, I guess. No, I think wrapping it up this evening is going to be very simple. I'm going to oh, – I can't be bothered to do any shouts out because <laughs> – unless you guys want to do it. Should we put this to a democracy? Anyone want to do a shout-out? Should we just fuck off? I think we should, um, we should say thank you to Crimson Pirate123. Obviously, and, yeah. And for his for the, the two that deep. have sent their subs on Twitch or whatever it is yeah. you said that they've done, then yes, they should be given limitless thanks for their generosity. Of robbing Jeff Bezos of $1.50 each. Yeah. But other than that, if you guys are happy for me to bid our wonderful listeners a fine farewell on this evening and hope that they are all in good health, hope that they have a refreshing night's sleep free from terrors and nightmares and they wake up tomorrow morning feeling a little bit more knowledgeable about the, about the Arsenal <coughs> Academy. I'm just going to leave it to you going to wave Still goodbye knowledge. to everyone and then leave it to you guys to do the same. Yeah. Um, Danny, if, you, if you'd like to seductively dance, you know, to um, send us off this evening. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm legally allowed to do that. Not since the incident of 2017 where it was nearly the end of all Arsenal podcasting. So, no. Not going to do that. Illegal. Um, I'll just make sure as as we're going that if you haven't got nightmares and you do want some, there's a really good horror film called Terrifier with a clown who's just in black and white, doesn't speak the entire film, and you see a woman get sawn in half in front of her friend. And I mean you see a woman get sawn in half. It's fucking hilarious. If you're into that sort of thing, well, we're watching. All right, people. There we go. Shall I enter? I press the button to close the show, James. Please do, Danny. On the when you say hit it, I'm going to hit it. Hit it. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.